0: It's I on real estate on AM nine seventy. The answer.
3: Good morning, and welcome to Ion Real Estate. Uh, I'm your host today, attorney Stephen Ebert. Unfortunately, Dottie Herman is not with us today, and we have a great show today, and we have, of course, as you can hear, our Halloween theme. It's coming up on Tuesday, and we have a bunch of wonderful guests. We'll be first joined by Mike Piazza from Quintessential Mortgage, and then in the second half of the show, we're going to have Kathy Burns join us. She is an accomplished author. And master organizer with her bestseller on how to master your muck, which is definitely something you have to deal with come of the fall and Halloween. And then afterwards, we'll be joined by Dr. Jane Gibson. She has a PhD in metaphysics and is an expert on ghosts and hauntings and homes. Um, but first, let me introduce uh, Mike Piazza. Mike, good morning, and thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. You know, so we're going
3: to have so much to talk about in the show about certain trends that are going on, um, where the market is heading, both pricing, inventory, some other trends that we're seeing and also on the financial side, but it wouldn't be right to get into those items without first introducing our guests. So Mike, tell me a little about yourself, what you do in your firm and, and a little about your journey of how you've gotten into the world of our real estate
1: finance. Terrific. Thank you. So I am a branch producing branch manager uh, and also business development as far as growth of the company is concerned. We are licensed in 28 states throughout the country, and we are growing steadily, which has been fantastic. I actually fell into the mortgage business by accident. I was working with a family-owned construction company, ran into a friend, a friend's wife actually went to see this friend at their office and we started talking, catching up. And we were, as we were talking, he threw me a piece of paper and it was a check for $50,000. And I said, Oh my God, what is that? And he said, Oh, that, that was my pay for the week or for the month. I'm sorry. And I said, and as a 21 year old, that's and said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as a 21 year old, I looked at that and said, um, that's that's pretty so we started talking a little bit more and i said well what do you do and he was explaining it to me and i went home that night and i was talking to my father about the next few days of what we had to do as far as work is concerned and my father basically said look i don't want you in the construction world anymore so i'm basically going to be firing you and your brother very soon so go find yourselves other jobs and it was kismet whatever you want to call it happenstance whatever you want, however you want to describe it but it worked it worked out well and i said well perfect timing because i already got another job and just 26 years ago and we've been it be starting my 27th year in february and it's just been the the roller coaster that we've all seen for the last 26 years and I've loved a very large majority of it and definitely not loved some of the other days. Well, at least that
3: look, that's an honest assessment. Not every day is perfect. And, and, you know, if you could take think about the last 27 years, and, and kudos for being in it for that long, we've had a lot of things going on. I mean, when we think about 27 years ago, how somebody would intake a mortgage, sitting down in person and signing or... Having it on a fax machine being sent in. There, there was no internet pegs to log on for all intents and purposes, right? It was just getting started in that. No apps or things like that. But you know, the couple of things that I want to talk about because we've been in an environment for a number of years with really low interest rates. I mean, people hear numbers and what one would think is a rounding error was actually the rate. And, you know, if you could give our listeners a little bit of the history of, you know, some of these roller coasters up and down, you know, where rates have been a little bit. And then we'll talk about a little bit of where we see things going on, on what banks are looking for. But let's talk a little about the rate story of how things have moved around over that quarter century.
1: Certainly, it's. I remember the very first loan that I ever did for somebody. It was a hundred thousand dollar co-op in Porchester and the gentleman was putting down twenty percent because that was the norm twenty-seven years ago. And I gave him an interest rate of nine and a half percent, and he was thanking me for it. And I thought to myself, "That's crazy. Why would you thank me for such a high number?" And then. You start looking at things and looking at trends and saying, wow, you go back 10 years, the rates were 15%. And then you get to the 9.5% and you're looking at it and saying, okay, that's not terrible. And then fast forward another 10 years or not even 10 years. Fast forward another five years. You're in the mid-early 2000s, 2002, 2003, 2004. Rates are in the fours. And, and high fives, and you're looking at, or mid-fives. And, again, people are thanking you for it. So you've got a refi boom. You've got a purchase frenzy, as, as you very well know, Steve. And people were excited, and inventory was flying off the shelves. It was it was crazy. It was the, the epitome of a fire sale, but a fire sale that lasted six or seven years. And... It was, regulations were, I don't want to say non-existent, but they were lax, if we'll we'll put it that way. Disclosures, taking an application, yes, there, there was no apps. There was sitting down with somebody, talking on the phone, taking, having a pen and paper, writing down all their information, having a copy of a mortgage application in front of you, and you're filling it out as you're talking to people. There, the disclosures were minimal as far as what borrowers actually had to sign. The paperwork was standard. It was two years and, tax returns, two years twos, pay stubs, two months of bank statements, a pint of blood in some cases. So it's comparatively speaking to now where everybody has map. An and but,
3: I, but I'm going to interrupt you for a second, Mike. So... Then, but all of a sudden, something happened. I'm going to call it 2007,
1: 2008. Oh, those were the days. That and then
3: mean... it, all, it all changed. So just very quickly, you know, all of a sudden, things are chugging along, things are great, things change. And then just on a high level, for people to understand, What happened all of a sudden with some of the market and the rule changes and what you're seeing that we now, to understand how things are today because of that moment? Sure. Sure. In
1: 2007 and 2008, the... I don't want to say the... Well, I do want to say it like this. The mortgage world was turned on its head, completely and totally turned on its head. It went from almost no regulation to, okay, we're going to start implementing new rules, which... In turn, things started to change. Borrowers started to default on these mortgages because there was no regulation. Foreclosures went through the roof. Rates started to climb significantly. And properties that were on the market started to get less and less. Price tags also started to go down and down compared to where they were for the last six to seven years. So it was very difficult for a lot of people, both on the real estate side and on the mortgage side, to stay in the business. There was a website that came that was put up by someone. I can't. I can't remember who it was, but the it was called Mortgage and dot com. Now, what I, was, I remember I that know. website.
3: I, I oh, yeah. absolutely remember that website, and it was. If you could have a soap opera, if you could have the National Inquiry except be on mortgages and not about aliens, that was the website.
1: Completely, um, totally. And you would check it every day to see which company went out of business that night.
3: And I'll, and I'll and, tell you, I remember those days as an attorney, you know, and this is where we're going to talk about the critical tie in of finance and law in your real estate transaction. I was nervous as heck of are my clients protected? Because I'm telling people now, back then, the stories of, I hope the bank shows up and they have money to close, existed. There were banks that you haven't heard of. And and let me be clear, I'm I'm being a little loose on that. Lenders. I should say lenders, because some of these were just mortgage lenders. They were reliant on credit lines. They weren't the the depository institutions that we think of, but some of them literally said, we have no money today, let's come back tomorrow and hopefully have things straightened out. It became such a mess, and it really went off the rails. And what was so dangerous and critical in many ways, and you see the evolution of contracts on this and negotiations, is that some people signed long-term contracts. They signed a contract on a new construction house or condominium in the heyday in early 07 that wasn't going to be ready for a year, year and a half, and all of a sudden the entire market shifted around them, and really what kind of protections did they have or not have in their contracts in case the financial markets around them evolved, and that was a big issue. Now, I want to hold this thought for a second, because what I want to do is have this sort of marinate and people think about that and i'm going to give some information about the state of the current market and then really want to turn this into okay now in 2023 understanding the roller coaster history low rates high rates now medium rates right different stress points in financial markets um you know then we'll get into some thoughts about where you know the, the dangerous part of our business the predictions so, a little bit of data in Long Island right now. Every submarket is showing actually price increases and in records, but the number of transactions and the number of properties on the market is on the decline. Median sales are hitting records, but the number of sales fell year over year for the eighth consecutive quarter. Um, and luxury and average median sale prices, um, again, are hitting their highest records. That's what's going on in most of long island in the hamptons we're seeing the number of sales rising from the second to the third quarter of this year Um, you know the price trend indicators fell short over year ago levels but are still sharply higher than the pre-pandemic levels so we're seeing this again and again repeated throughout long island in the market and we're seeing similar story in the city of fewer transactions, lower inventory, but strong pricing, and in some cases, actually an increase in pricing. So I want to take that for a moment and have people digest it. And so, Mike, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. Tell me what you're seeing right now as a mortgage lender, as someone who not only deals with clients directly but supervises people, and you see different institutions, where they're sort of trending. And I'm not talking about just guessing on rates, although I'm sure everyone's going to want to know a little bit about that too, but about the bank's appetite. Because you go on the news sometimes and people say things, oh, banks aren't lending. And and to me, I really don't like a statement like that. One, I don't think it's true, because otherwise they wouldn't be doing bank loans every day. But also it sends a message that I think is incorrect and and changes the tone. So. What, what's your feeling when you're talking to clients and institutions about where things are going?
1: The feelings are, they vary. They, they truly do. And they vary on a daily basis. They vary on an institution basis, too. Because a bank, let's say, we'll, we'll talk about the bigs to start with. The big banks, you have your big four. You've got your Chase, your city, your Wells, and your Bank of America. They have appetites on what they want. And where they're going to be aggressive as far as their pricing is concerned, and it can change on a daily basis. It can change on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, every six. However, they feel what they have an appetite for, and what they feel is going to be best for their borrowers, their clients, their 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 everything, their clientele. So. Those appetites are going to change. Then you're going to see the smaller lenders, the smaller banks, the more community style banks, where same aggressive or same, could be a same aggressive appetite, could be a little bit more conservative, may come out with a pricing, wonderful pricing on a portfolio product that they have which is just something that they hold close to the vest, they service, they do everything with this product, and it's there because they're lending their own money. So some community banks you'll see will get super aggressive for a short period, and that short period could be a quarter, could be six months, could be a week. Now, now if I can interrupt you on that, Mike, I have a little bit of a
3: concern. So you're saying certain community banks, they're really leading the way on lower rates, because they have their own money. And so for audience to understand, basically, when you deposit your money at a bank, that money um, is on the balance sheet of that bank. It affects their balance sheet. And it's effectively a liability. They've got to do something with it because they're paying you some interest, although maybe not enough given inflation right now. But they're paying you some interest. They've got to lend. So their margins are different than maybe other lenders. But how concerned do we have to be about what happened less than a year ago with First Republic Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, banks that lent on their, on their balance sheet, and then all of a sudden things in the market out of their control and, 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 and to a large extent changed. You know, is that, is that a concern? And that might have an effect on the market. Yeah, definitely.
1: It's a concern for everybody. And it's something that the smaller banks, and not to say that First Republic was a smaller bank, but in comparison to a chase, to a well of the world, yes, they were very small. They were incredibly aggressive, incredibly aggressive when it came to their interest rates. And at points in time, they were potentially anywhere from 1% to 1.5% below what the, and I'm throwing up air quotes when I say market rate was for a particular debt. And it was incredibly frustrating for producers such as myself and countless others who were doing business in Manhattan, in Westchester, Fairfield counties, out on the Island, where, First Republic would come in and and almost cut your feet out from under you because their rates were so absurdly low. The problem was you could only keep this up for so long. Like you said, the monies on the balance sheet have to the assets have to outweigh the monies that are being lent out. And that was not the case. And I'll tell
3: you something. One other thing I want to take a pause on, it because you're so right talking about institutional strength. And look, as well as a bank could be managed, and I'm not looking to pick on any bank, the fact is you can only do so much to push against the headwinds that are the entire market. Um, But one thing that we pay very, very close attention to is where we keep our clients escrow. And people need to be aware that, You know, attorneys have some level of an obligation, but also they can't control the market. And one of the things that we do is we warn our clients is when things are put in escrow, you have your FDIC coverage limits. But then also, if you happen to bank there, you do have some limitations. So I know we're about to come to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about bank risk and lending. You don't want to miss it. I'm Stephen Ebert with Ion Real Estate. I'm coming with Mike Piazza from Point of Mortgage.
4: More after the break.
5: Hi, it's Arthur Idala and Bayridge Honda is kicking off October's spooky season with scary savings so low you'll scream. Bay Ridge Honda is your family-owned and operated Honda dealer for over 60 years serving the five boroughs. You can browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles like the all-new Honda Civic, CR-V, and HR-V ready for you to drive home today. And over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. Even if you don't buy a car from Bay Ridge Honda, they want to buy your car from you. So visit Bay Ridge Honda at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details.
2: Terms and conditions apply. Visit arwhome.com for details. Homeowners, if you don't have an ARW home warranty, you could be losing thousands of dollars a year on repairs for your home. An ARW home warranty service plan covers the repairs in your home that the home insurance won't. For instance, Jerry's new sewer line was going to cost $2,500. ARW saved me thousands. Judy's water heater broke and was going to cost her $2,000. ARW saved me $2,000. Don't be shocked at the high prices when a home system breaks down. Be protected by ARW home warranty and get of mind for less than a dollar a day with plans for heating and ac systems washers dryers kitchen appliances plumbing electrical systems and more real estate professionals arw has an attractive bonus program for you if you own a home don't wait for something to break in your home get an arw home warranty now and find out how much money you could be saving by calling 800-711-5250 that's 800-711-5250 800-711-5250
6: Regular price is $79.98 for a limited time. You can get this six-pack towel set for only thirty nine ninety nine with promo code Joe P. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code Joe P. to save 50% on the MyPillow
7: six-pack towel sets. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time now. Well, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the school of court reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new school of nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. This first cohort began with 20 students, and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. I saw it myself. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business or Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, email info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu.
2: Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com.
3: Welcome back to Ion Real Estate. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert with the law firm of Cassin and Cassin. Unfortunately, Dottie Herman is not with us this week. She'll be back next week. But I am pleased to continue our conversation with Mike Piazza from Quintessential Mortgage. Um, love the spooky music. I'm trying to see if we can get rid of the ghosts and goblins and getting a mortgage. But, Mike, before we go down that, can you please let our audience know how to reach you? Phone, email, website for your firm?
1: Most certainly. Uh, phone number is, as always, and has been for many a year, 914 589 3452. email address is mpiazza, P I A Z Z A, at com, And my, web, my own personal website is um, com. Wonderful. Thanks. So I want to shift
3: gears because, you know, we're always running up against the clock, and I want to make sure we get through the so many topics and, you know, hope we'll have a chance to do this again in the near future. Uh, but I want to talk about where Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going for a second. Now, for our audience, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac They really dictate, for all intents and purposes, what we call the secondary market in residential lending. And they have a lot of guidelines that loan officers like uh, Mike and others have to follow. And one of the big things that's going on, and this has been a theme that's been going, is the condominium and cooperative market and how they approve buildings, what we call warrantability. What, What are some of the changes that are going on? Um, and what are some of the concerns about buildings being approved that's sort of on this uh, criteria list?
1: Certainly. So the buildings have always been a little bit difficult. I don't want to say impossible because then there would be no buildings. There would be no co-ops and condo loans. They've gotten progressively more difficult ever since the tragedy in Florida a couple of years ago where the building collapsed. The, yeah, the center side condo, yeah. Correct, yes, thank you. So, since that time, the regulations have changed tremendously in regards to insurance needs, in regards to not only just property insurance, the wind and hail, the flood insurance. Things have gone up significantly, and which has, ter- in turn, made Fannie and Freddie become stricter with what they want and what they are requiring of these buildings. Security, obviously, um, engineer reports have got to be updated more often than they ever were before because of the safety factors. The facade on buildings are being scrutinized to the nth degree to make
3: sure now, that they're
8: safe.
1: Now, Mike, can you tease that out a little
3: bit more? Repairs versus safety, right? I mean, let's be honest. You know, as homeowners, I could have a full-time job tweaking stuff around the house, and I, you know, tighten the screw here, change a light bulb there, and it goes way up from there. Um, right. But if you could, if you could really parse that out a little bit more on a repair which the bank may say, yeah, get it done, not too worried about it, versus say, hey, wait a minute, this is a safety issue, and until you get this done, we're not lending. And the last part, and I know it's out of the control of a buyer, but what are some of the things to sort of look at the front end and how we can push on that in a transaction to make sure it goes through as opposed to having a buyer's transaction fall apart?
1: certainly repair repairs are are simple items there let's say flooring's getting changed or paint or wallpaper or there's an elevator being changed those are repairs the safety part of it all that is a tremendous concern is especially in new york city there are the facades of the building that is wildly important because they're they're being looked at more and more and as we all know some of these buildings are 80, 90, 100 years old, and sometimes even older than that. So your, your concern is falling debris from the building itself just because of being exposed to the elements for so long, things deteriorate. Cement could dry out, it could crack, which in turn could make a brick fall, which could make a piece of the front of the building fall or something around a window or a piece of window trim fall and heaven forbid that ever happens where somebody gets hit with something. It's, so that, that is a tremendously huge concern for Fannie and Freddie. And that's a safety factor. The safety factors also with boilers, with drainage of the buildings for, as we all know, we've gotten a little bit of rain this summer. So the flooding mm-hmm. has been tremendous. It's frightening to the families and Freddie's of the world because they want to make sure that we're giving a thirty-year loan on a building, whether or not that thirty-year loan is going to stay there for that full no, duration. Now,
3: no, Mike, for a second, can we? And I know it, you know there's there's so many ways these conversations go, but I want to focus in it yeah. even further on saying just mention the flooding and. <laughs> I know flooding becomes a very difficult, it's a sensitive topic, and, you know, when you're buying a single-family house, you think about it differently than a condo. And and sometimes I have a conversation with a client and say, look, I know you're on the 30th floor of your high-rise in battery park, but if the building doesn't have the right kind of flooding insurance, it becomes a problem. You know, to which point both they and myself would joke and say, hey, you know, if the 30th floor floods you know, all bets are off and it's not going to really matter. But taking it back for a second, can you explain how building flood insurance in a high-risk condominium, somebody who's not on the ground floor, how this all ties in together? Because I think it's such an important point, And I think it is not explained well to a lot of buyers because they're thinking about their apartment on the 30th floor and they don't fully see the connection and how that all works and what are the repercussions of them having to get a flood policy or not and how that works.
1: Okay. So Mr. Borrower, Mrs. Borrower, you are purchasing your unit. Yes, you are on the 30th floor of this building. So floods should not be a concern of yours, but they actually are. And here's why all of your mechanicals, and all of your quote-unquote common areas are down low. Parking, the building boilers, the air conditioning, the septic and sewer systems, the water supplies, everything is down below, down below, and in some cases could be below grade. You've got parking that's down below. All of this becomes a concern because when you do have those floods those anything that is affected by the flood is going to be expensive especially when you're talking about boilers especially when you're talking about water filtration systems when you're talking about heating and cooling all of which get expensive because if you are on the 30th floor you're probably not the only person on the 30th floor and how many other people are going to be throughout that building. So those units that are below grade are big. They're expensive. Where that flood insurance is going to come into play and where it's going to affect you is in your monthly maintenance fees. So that flood policy to cover the repairs, potentially replacements of all of your mechanicals that go along with the building it's going to be pricey. It's going to be pricey. It's going to be reflected within your monthly maintenance fee on your particular condo, whether you're on the first floor or on your you're on the 30th floor. Gotcha. So it's
3: very important to understand that. I mean, one of the things that we also encourage clients all the time is to talk to their insurance agent before they sign the contract, whether it's a high rise, Whether it is a single family, whether it's in Manhattan, whether it's in a rural area, it doesn't matter. Always get a check because the flood maps have changed, the requirements have changed, and as part of their due diligence, a good insurance agent. Um, And look, I'm not going to pick on any company, but when you go on a website and you fill out, you know, three questions and you say, sure, we'll give you insurance, you know, think about due diligence here, everybody. How can they pop- properly analyze the situation without really doing a deeper dive? So it's very important that that be looked at and you understand the coverage and the costs before you sign so that way you don't really have a horror situation. We're going up to another commercial break. We'll come back. This is Stephen Ebert for Ion Real Estate and I'm coming with Mike Piazza from Quintessential Mortgage.
8: Both houses of Congress are considering legislation that will impact your favorite talk shows and news updates. The AM Radio for Everyone Vehicle Act would ensure that auto manufacturers will not eliminate AM radio from the dashboards of future car models. Over 80 million Americans, men and women just like you, depend on AM radio for news, severe weather updates, various debates on talk shows, and local information that's essential for public safety. When a disaster strikes or lives are threatened by wildfires in places from California to the Northeast, AM radio is often the only lifeline the community has. You have the power to make a real difference. The AM radio for every vehicle act is H.R. 3413 in the U.S. House and Senate Bill 1669 in the U.S. Senate. Please contact your senator and congressman asking them to support this vital legislation
4: to keep. AM radio and the dashboards of American cars now and forever. This decade is looking like the worst one to retire or be retired in. Now more than ever, you need to stay ahead of turbulent markets and money-grubbing politicians. That's why you need Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch. For more than 30 years, Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch has been helping Americans invest, protect, and grow their assets. A Retirement Watch subscription gives you must-have advice on all aspects of your retirement. Independent advice you won't get anywhere else. When you subscribe to Retirement Watch, you'll get three months of Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch newsletter. You'll also get Bob's five model portfolios and five free reports, including the hidden rules of retirement, hidden real estate tax bombs to avoid, cashing in on Congress's $350,000 retirement shocker, plus two more free reports and an exclusive conference call with Bob Carlson answering your retirement questions. The newsletter, free reports, the conference call, all for just nineteen ninety-five. Sign up today at yourretirementwatch.com, yourretirementwatch.com. That's yourretirementwatch.com
6: with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price is $79.98 for a limited time. You can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code P. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code JOEP to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. AM 970, the answer
2: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
5: Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala of The Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 p.m. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy, with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York, with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sam Bellino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at six p.m.
0: Listen to Joe Fiscopo in the morning, weekdays at six. Mike Gallagher at ten. An AM nine seventy. The Answer. Come on,
3: baby, don't be the Welcome back to Ion Real Estate. I'm attorney Stephen Edwards from the law firm of Casson and Casson. Unfortunately, Dottie Herman's not with us this week. She'll be back next week. And again, happy to be joined with uh, Mike Piazza from Quintessential Mortgage for the first hour. Uh, Mike, we've had tucks on a whole lot of topics uh, between building conditions, flooding, history of the market, where things are going. And I want to take the time that we have left to talk about another issue. That can be really expensive if done improperly for a client in a transaction. And it's a difficult time for a lot of buyers right now because it's really unclear where rates are going. Rates have definitely ticked up, but in any given time, there's a range. You find days in which there's a nice drop. And other days, if you time it wrong, they've gone up. And there's a lot of pressures on buyers right now to really make a quick decision to lock in that rate to, to to tie up and have that great rate if they're able to do it. But there's a downside risk. The downside risk is if we don't have the contract finalized, or even if we are in contract when the, late, when the rate is locked in. In New York, we have a date that's an estimated date, on or about 60 days. And parties can, and there's a number of circumstances, delay things for a number of weeks, whether we're waiting for co-op board approval, clearing a title issue or even if the seller is just having an issue moving out to their rental or new home so mike some tips and also if you can explain the real cause if you lock in too early
1: most certainly locking is incredibly difficult now because of all those situations you just just mentioned and but you've also got to be concerned with, and this is a big concern of myself and a lot of other loan officers out there, the rates change on a daily basis, and sometimes they can even change multiple times within a day. So it's very difficult to say what's going to happen tomorrow, and I I wish we had a crystal ball that wasn't incredibly foggy and, or in some cases, completely broken in half, to, to pontificate, if you will, and say that, Don't don't worry, the rates are going to come down. Don't worry about it. We can lock them. It's tough. It's very difficult to say. There's a running joke throughout our office that says, yeah, don't worry about it. The rates are going to come down on Monday. We just don't know what Monday it is. And it's very frightening. It is very frightening to what we're accustomed to from three years ago. So three years ago, or two years ago, I'm sorry, not even three. Two years ago, on today's date, the national average on a thirty year fixed mortgage was three point one six percent. The national average today is eight point zero four percent. Now, we're broad brushing when we say uh, that
3: Mike, can, can you guess I want I want that to sink in. If you can guess, repeat that slowly one more time. The national <laughs> average. And remember everybody, average is based on state loan amount product type of there's there, there's a lot of factors credit scores, but you can still spot the trend so if you can repeat that please for everyone to hear it again most
1: certainly most certainly two years ago october 28th 2021 the national average on a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.16 percent today exactly two years later the average 30-year fixed mortgage interest rate is 8.04%.
3: Now, I want to just make one comment, if I could interrupt for a second. This ties in exactly to the stats that I mentioned a half hour ago. Earlier in the show, we were talking about what was going on in Long Island and in New York City, and what we saw that pricing was stable and went up, but the inventory is down, the number of transactions are down. And there's a lot of reasons. You can never point to just one reason as to why the market's behaving a certain way because it's it's like a series of forces. What I can say very very clearly is inventory is low because if you want to sell your home and let's say you're a senior and you want to downsize, if you sell, where are you going to go? And if you need a mortgage you are trading your house with your 3% or maybe even lower mortgage for an 8% mortgage. And that is a very important point of what's going on in the market. And I know there are frustrated buyers and sellers out there right now because there are sellers who would be happy to sell, buyers who would be happy to buy, but the inventory mix is not correct because the rates have moved in such a, uh, significantly in such a short period of time. And I want people to understand that mortgage rates don't just affect buyers. They affect sellers. It affects their willingness and ability to sell, let alone to consummate a transaction.
1: Steve, I have to say that was so perfectly said and so not said enough that it not only affects buyers, it, it truly does affect a seller because like you said, just a minute ago, where are they going to go? Where, where are these people who are going to sell? Unless you're going to sell and you're going to walk away with a tremendous amount of money to where you can purchase your new home for cash and not have to worry about obtaining financing. Why wouldn't you? I mean, the, almost, almost everybody who's in a position to refinance or purchase in the years of 2020 and 2021 were sub three and a quarter percent interest rates. I'm not going to trade my 3% interest rate for an 8% interest rate. It's not going to happen. It would be foolish of me. It would be foolish of, it would be a, very foolish financial decision so what that's doing is like you said that's putting people in a position as sellers to say well i don't really have to go anywhere and what i'm going to do is maybe i'll just do some renovations in my house which brings us could bring us to a whole other topic that we, we would need a few more hours to discuss which just brings us to consumer debt and and how people are paying for these renovations that they're going to do for a house. But that that's opening a Pandora's box that we'll have to talk about another time. But for now, what we're talking about when it comes to the interest rates and locking, which is where we really where people need to focus, is is simply this. You have terms, and when I say you have terms, you can lock your interest rate for fifteen days, thirty days, twenty two days 60 days, 90 days, 180 days, up to 360 days to lock in your interest rate. Now, there's a charge. The higher the number gets as far as your lock term is concerned. The problem is, again, it goes back to that crystal ball. There are so many things that are unforeseen when it comes to a real estate transaction. There could be title issues. There could be... Somebody could have done renovations on their house and not done it legally. So there's could be violations. There could be open building permits. There could, there could be a myriad of items that could prevent you from closing when you're supposed to close. And again, I'm using the word supposed very loosely because as we know in New York, you have your on or about date within a contract. So what I, the conversations that I have with borrowers are this.
5: Here's so Mike. Off. For
3: one second, can you just tell us a little before we run out of time? The cost. So let's say I'm buying a house for a million dollars. I put down twenty percent. I'm borrowing eighty percent, eight hundred thousand dollar loan. And then I get my sixty day rate lock, and I call you up on day fifty five, and I say, Mike, I don't know. This co-op board's a little slow. Hey, the seller's taking their time on clearing title. Or they just say, hey, we couldn't get a mover or whatever. I need a week, a two-week, maybe a three-week extension. I'm not sure. Can you just go through a little bit of cost, but also how do you counsel somebody because does it make a difference if I'm asking for a three-week extension? Is that better than asking for three one-week extension? How much flexibility do I have as a borrower to preserve the rate lock, and how is it going to be
1: priced out? Sure, sure. So you, the rate lock extensions are priced on a daily basis. So every day has a cost to it. And every, every individual institution has a different cost to that, that daily, um, extension. So, for example, the majority of lenders, it is 0.05 of a percent per day. So, it's very, it's very minimal, but it can add up quickly. So, the, and I'm throwing up air quotes again when I say the norm, is 0.125 percent is the norm for a week extension when you get start getting into two and three and you know because they do extensions either by the day by the week or by the 30 day window so and when i say week i don't mean a business week i mean an actual week so seven days
3: so it can. So of of everyone, you got to keep in mind. You got to pay for Saturday and Sunday, and you're not closing on it. You got to pay for Thanksgiving, even you're not closing on Thanksgiving Day. So I, I think the key takeaway is you have to work with an experienced team, both legal, mortgage, and also broker, to get her a sense of what real deadlines are there. What does it look like? A uh, facts on the ground of. Co op board approval? What's the motivation of the seller? What are these other issues that can pop up? Because if you get this wrong, you think you got this wonderful rate, and you might have a wonderful rate, but you could be spending thousands, many thousands out of pocket if you get that wrong by just a couple of weeks. And you know, it wasn't a big deal during COVID because banks weren't charging for extensions. Both because of COVID and also rates were basically flat for all intents and purposes. Sure, there's a little fluctuation, but they were pretty flat. Now we're in an environment where there is a roller coaster, and timing is absolutely critical. And and, and you know you really that, that can be a huge financial cost. And when you're a first-time home buyer and you're really scraping your down payment and your closing costs together, and you're trying to save money for furniture. That could have been your entire living room and bedroom set, right there that you could have paid for if you timed this wrong on the
1: rate lock. Absolutely, you could not have said it any better than that. And having that experienced team makes all the difference in the world, especially when you're doing 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 a purchase of a condo or a co-op where you've got board approvals. There's been some boards that I've seen that have taken sixty days from the application just to sit, to meet with somebody so the whole process is taking upwards of four to five months and you're sitting there at a loss because you can't time it you can't time it correctly and how expensive is it going to be to one lock in your rate for an extended period how expensive is it going to be to extend that rate lock because and you don't know because you don't know how long everything's going to take, and it's, it's very, very difficult. So having the right broker, having the right attorney, having the right lender there asking these questions of the people that they need to ask them to makes all the difference in the world. And it can save you, like you said, save thousands upon thousands of dollars, and it can change your ability to furnish your new home. And it's it's very it's very difficult. It's, it's very frustrating. It's hard to time. In a lot of cases, so you have to be very careful. Yeah, I mean, having that team, whew, incredibly important.
3: It, it it totally is. You couldn't have said it better, Mike. Um, before we run out of time, given the theme of today's show, what's your favorite Halloween memory, or any Halloween plans that you have coming up?
1: Uh, favorite Halloween memory is going to the neighborhood and getting the full-size candy bars. How could it not be? <laughs> Everybody would give the fun size then you'd find that one neighborhood that gave you the full-size bars and you just jumped for joy and hoped to God that there was a lot of houses in that neighborhood and you hit up every one of them with those big full-size candy bars. You didn't get any better than that when you were a kid.
3: And, and you make a mental note. And you're like, all right, that's the house I got to go back to next year because they 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 got it down. It's um, it's it's so funny. It's like you sort of know, like which house. It's like, all right, I know they got the good stuff here. You know, they they they, they didn't go (laughs) with like the random leftovers. They went all out.
1: You stay you stay away from the houses that give out candy corn, and you stay away from the houses that giving out toothbrushes. So those are the ones that you yeah. stay away from and you go to the ones who has got the full-size Snickers ones waiting
3: for them. Well, Mike, I can't believe our hour is up. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, again, Mike Johnson with Mind Mortgage. And we'll be back after this break in the next hour. We are going to have a terrific um, uh, spiritual analyst um, for ghosts and also how to keep your house organized. More and I in real estate after the break.
0: Preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. From the studio